Petra Talk Radio. You're in to all things music. It's totally mind-boggling. You you wonder, should I really be here? Am I, you know, can I do this? Can I hang with these people? And you, and the biggest compliment I ever got was from two artists I worked with was was um, Al Jarreau, Anita Baker, both said to me, Barry. No, you're as good as George Duke and I would say like Quincy Jones. You have the ability to make those same kind of records. You can do that. And hearing that from people that you really admire, it just gives you the confidence you just need to like, yeah, let me go on and let me not feel like I shouldn't be in the room with these people. I can't, you know, I don't deserve to be here, you know? Welcome to Making It with Terry Woolman, the show that explores the secrets, successes, and strategies for making it in the music biz. And now, here's your host, Terry Woolman. Welcome to the show and thanks for tuning in. I want to let you know how much I appreciate you joining us on our show. If you missed last week's interview, you can hear it and all of our episodes at entertalkradio.com slash making it or download our app and take us with you. So often I get asked questions about the creative process. So I created this show to focus on what it takes to have a lasting career in the ever-changing landscape of the music business. You're really in for a treat as I've I've invited my friends, some of the best and brightest in music, to share their stories on how they have influenced the music that has shaped our lives. I guarantee you're going to love it. So let's get started. My guest today is hit songwriter producer Barry Eastman. Undeniably one of the most successful and prolific producer-songwriter arrangers in contemporary music, Barry Eastman has racked up over 60 gold, platinum, and multi-platinum albums on some of the most important artists in pop and R&B, with incredible total sales of over 80 million copies worldwide. Respected and acknowledged for his stellar work with legends such as Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston, Barry White, Anita Baker, George Benson, Al Jarreau, Shaka Khan, and Gladys Knight, the award-winning multi-talented music man has been responsible for hit records for a diversity of major artists including Britney Spears, Brandy, Faith Evans, Michael Bolton, Vanessa Williams, Freddie Jackson, Billy Ocean, Kenny Lattimore, Regina Bell, and Tamaya, among others. Please welcome my guest today, Barry Eastman. Hi, hey, Barry. Great to be here, man. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. For me as well. Um, and for our listeners, um, Barry, you're back east uh, calling from your home, and I'm here in L.A. from my studio. Um, That's right. But but uh, we did see each other recently a few months ago in New York. We had I had the great pleasure of, of going in the studio with you and, and recording and and. It was a blast. That was so much fun. That, uh, the documentary, I, 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 you should mention the, the, the name of it. it was, yeah, it's for it so an much upcoming, fun to be a part of. Yeah, it's, it's a movie that's going to be coming out this year. Uh, they're finishing editing right now. Uh, but it's a it's a movie about the Bronx. And it's essentially right. a love letter to the Bronx and, and 
um, many amazing people who have grown up and um, and lived there, including uh, Charlie Fox, uh, who we worked yeah. with because Char- Charlie Fox That's and Paul Williams wrote a song and you and I got to go uh, yeah. bring it to life together in the recording studio. And Absolutely. we were talking about this. To be in the studio with you and, and Charlie was just a thrill, man. I had such a blast yeah. to see how this song just came together and and the band was incredible just yeah you know it took me back to the old days when i first got into this business that's what we used to do man it was just a bunch of musicians in the room man together you know playing music and playing off of each other and and yeah. just feeling the energy and the vibe man it was just it's yeah. just the best there's nothing like it nothing like there it there isn't and and it took me back also and you're taking me back right now because i you know i'm just picturing locking eyes with you yeah, when right. we were sitting, you know, I needed to make sure I had eye contact with everybody um, for That's cues right. and everything. But I mean, it was such a a, a kick to to just the energy, you know, and being yeah. able to again while we're playing and just going for it, looking right. across and seeing you looking back at me and smiling and grinning, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> you know, and you know it's right because you just you just start smiling. You just got that. Oh man, this is feeling really good. Right, and that's when you know. Okay, I think this is the take. <laughs> this is the take. I love right. I love those moments, man. Just love those yeah. moments. Really cool. And Which you is, know, just and I had I had the bass player to my left, um, <laughs> Tom Barney and and mm-hmm. and Terry Silverlight on drums to yeah. in front of me, also to a little bit to the left. So what a vibe, man! And you were in the yeah. best studio in New York City to be in. That's right. In what is now called Avatar. I mean, not Avatar. It's now called uh, Power Station again. It Power was Station, Avatar Studios. Yeah. Now it's a power station again. It, the, to me, it's the best studio in New York City. Nothing compares to that that studio. Yeah. Just and, great and rooms. That probably took you back as well, because for me, I'd been in, in that studio back in the, probably in the late 70s, you know, recording, you know. And so it was, um, boy, it just brings back memories and of, oh, of making best. amazing music. And, yeah. you know, I think part of the reason we're, you know, kicking off, your interview right now with, with talking about being in the studio live with other musicians is that's not what we always get to do, <laughs> you know, especially you, no, you as a producer. No. And, yeah. but, but to me, it's the way records should be made really, truly and honestly, it's, it's about vibing and, and that energy that you create in the studio. I really believe the listener feels that when they listen to the record, the finished product, they feel that energy and that excitement that we had in the studio and it comes through right. and, and I know a lot of the records I've been involved with that became hit records, they all had that same live energy and excitement. And it just, when I heard it on the radio, it's like, man, that's exactly what it's, that was what it was in the studio, man. It was, just, it was a lot of fun. We're laughing. We're having a great time and making great music. Right. I, I love those. I love things. Yeah. Right. But you're, you're capturing as a producer, you're capturing the love and the passion and the thrill and the respect and the joy and uh, it's that's right. you know, as well as the notes in the, in the that's lyrics. right. That's <laughs> right. And you know, and you put the right musicians together, man, in the room and you can't, you can't go wrong, man. You get the right crew together and you just get in there and you just make it, you make magic, man. You really make magic. And, and then when the artist is there as well and they're singing off of it, even if it's just a reference vocal, but the energy of that happens in the room. I really wish that all that stuff could be on camera. Some of those 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 sessions were just magical, man, and just incredible moments. Really special, really special moments. Yeah. Well, let me. I agree. And 
let me, let me ask you, I mean, when, when you, I know you've got a home studio and right. you, you write and do you, are you set up to record live? Yeah. I mean, do you bring a drummer oh, to uh, your house? I've done it. I've done it once or twice, but I, I like going into the city and cutting in a, uh, in a, in a proper studio just because my, my studio is kind of tight. So right. sometimes I want to use the room to get, really get a great drum sound. So I'll go into the into the city a lot to do that. Right. Um, but I have recut um, live here, definitely. I've done, I've done everything here. I've done a small string section. I've done a horn section. Of course, I've done, you know, a little um, uh, uh, tight rhythm section, four pieces. Mm-hmm. I've done everything here. There, there, there's right. not anything I haven't done. You know? <laughs> so I was looking at your website, and it says Barry Eastman, songwriter, producer, keyboard player. Is that description in the order that you see yourself as a musician? Is that That's a good question. Well, you know what? I started out as a piano player, you know, at right. the age of... At six, my mom just said, you know, my mom was an amazing piano player. I mean, she just loved music and she loved playing piano. But what she played was her, her, her favorite hymns from church is what she used to play. Mm -hmm. And when we were all little kids, you know, my older brother, she started him on the piano and he would play. And then I'd want to do whatever my older brother did. So I'd jump on the piano and start playing. So she said, okay. You want to play so much, I'm going to start teaching you. And I picked up so quickly that to this day, I will always consider myself a musician first. That was, yes. That's how I got into this whole thing. That's where the love began. It's just, it's always about being a musician, definitely. Well, and, and it's, it's hard because, you know, you, you go by a jam session, you just want to sit in, even though you're like, <laughs> okay, you really should sit down and relax. <laughs> but that's when I know so, I'm really a musician. <laughs> so true. Absolutely. <clears throat> when you insert yourself on stage <laughs> with whoever you're watching. <laughs> in your imagination, right? I, I know that feeling. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, you're, in addition to your mom being a, a big influence on you as a musician, your dad really loved music also and exposed you to a oh, lot of different he styles. really did. He was such a big, he had an amazing record collection and he loved jazz, you know, so everything from Count Basie, Duke Ellington, Woody Herman, I mean, just, just some of the, Lee Morgan, Miles Davis, just some of the great jazz records he had and he would play this stuff around the house and and I'm just a sponge at that age you know I'm just listening to this and absorbing it I'm like I, I don't quite understand it but I like it I just mm-hmm. I like this so I'm listening to that with my father and I'm hearing um, hymns in the morning with my, my mother and, and then I'm listening to the radio and hearing you know the top 40 tunes of the day so I'm just like taking all of this in and I'm like everything is good there wasn't anything I didn't like I just and everything. I like that too. I like <laughs> but the, but coming from a, I, you know, I went to Juilliard when I was eight, and so coming from Juilliard, I became a, a classical musician, and so I really studied classical music, and that was really what I think I developed uh, gave me my technique as a pianist, right? And the appreciation of such amazing composers as you know Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, Liszt. Bartok, because I, you know, I play them all, and Wait, I love that. At eight years old, the, you were, you were. Actually I loved being Bartok. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it just. Took I me loved a, Bartok. <laughs> it was just amazing. I just loved it, and so. But what I felt was after like playing classical music for a good until like I was fifteen or sixteen, I kept playing. Mm-hmm. 
I, I wanted to experiment with improvisation. I used to marvel at jazz musicians who would get up on stage, have a little chart, play through the chart, and then they would improvise over those solos, over the changes, mm-hmm. for like the next five minutes. And I'm like, how did he do that? Right. How did he do that? That to me is like, that's the that, that's the, the, the tip of the iceberg. It's like, if you can go in there and create melodies on the spot and make it work against the changes and what the band is playing, that to me was like amazing. So I studied, I started studying jazz and I found a jazz teacher and I started playing jazz. And once I fell in that, it was no looking back. I, I, I was hooked. I was hooked. Hmm. And that that's where I, I really ended up, you know, starting to jam with bands and playing with uh, different artists and stuff was through jazz first. So it was, it was a lot of, it was, it was great. So it was such a thrill. The program that you were in at Juilliard at the age of eight, that was a a Saturday program from nine in the morning till 5 PM. Is that right? That's correct. It was called the preparatory division. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And what they were doing was they were preparing you for, um, they really wanted you to attend their college um, division. So you would start at the age of eight, and literally, I was there every Saturday um, for five years, and then Julia dropped the preparatory division at that point, and then Manhattan School of Music here in New York picked it up. So then I was at Manhattan School of Music for another four or five years, and just taking in all this classical music, and then you're also learning about arranging, you're mm-hmm. studying um, composition, I started taking organ lessons as well as piano lessons, and then you've got to perform in the uh, orchestra mm-hmm. uh, or an ensemble. So it was like it was literally nine to six every Saturday. I, I had such a full day of music that, uh, it, and it was something that I loved. And my father, man, he would he worked at nights, and he would come home at six a.m. get an hour's mm-hmm. sleep, literally seven o'clock in the morning. He'd get up to drive me because we lived in Brooklyn at the time. And to drive me to Juilliard School of Music, which was uptown Manhattan, 117th Street in Manhattan and Broadway. And he would drive me there and sit in the car and wait for me through the, for the whole day because I was too young to take the train. <laughs> they didn't want me on the train by myself. And he would sit there, yep, and he would get his little nap in the car. But I was in school the whole day, man. And then I'd come out and he'd drive me home. So, I mean, I'm telling you, man, my parents, man, they really... The ultimate, you know, wow, sacrifice. Parents, of the, yeah, it was parents of the Year Award yeah, to both your mom and dad. That's oh, amazing absolutely. to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I have two questions that's, about that period of your life. One um, is a musical question. Is that where you learned to conduct? And the second question is, when you were spending every Saturday in music school, did you feel like you were missing out on playing stickball with your friends or... Did you? Mi- yeah, you yeah, that's a good anything. question. Well, I'll, I'll answer the first question first. Did I learn how to conduct? I started there, but I actually learned how to conduct. I at the age of twelve, I became the organist at this church, mm-hmm. um, St. Lawrence Church, in uh, in uh, close to my neighborhood in Brooklyn. And as the organist, I I had a, a choir that I was responsible for, that I had to teach, uh, you know, uh, the uh, hymns that we were going to do for the next Sunday. Yeah. And I teach them the harmonies. And, and that's where I actually started conducting. 
was yeah, the choir. Nothing like choral conducting to really teach you. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. And that is that. really where I got my chops as far as a conductor and working with singers. That was my first experience, really mm-hmm. working with voices. And that I took, I learned so much from that experience. Right. And, and, that and really then I, your I, appetite for working with singers. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that was, that was really, um, Incredible. And it's, it's so funny because now you look back and you realize that's where it all started. But when I was doing it, it was just, okay, I'm just doing what I have to do. You know, I've got a TCSB. Well, <laughs> these hymns for Sunday, let's get on it. Okay, Sopranos, you're going to sing these notes. And then, you know, so you're just going through it. But you realize later, man, that was the beginning of it. And it was just so exciting to hear them. There were a couple of pieces that I wrote. There were a couple of three or four hymns that I, I wrote myself that I would teach them. And they were complex, you know? I mean, they weren't simple. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't simple, too, to learn. But they got it, man. They really figured it out. It was great. And I really enjoyed it. And those were my earliest uh, compositions that I wrote were were actually hymns. It was when I started writing first. And then later on, it developed into fusion tunes, jazz fusion. Yeah, very similar to Bach. (laughs) He started by, you know, (laughs) writing hymns for his, uh, his choir. Yeah. Wow, I'm not that's so sure right. That he, yeah. Yeah, it's and he didn't really go into jazz because jazz didn't really quite exist, but you know something there's right. there's a lot of similarity to to the kind of writing that Bach did. If you if you right. swing his melodies, it's it's bebop. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly real. right. That's why I'm so thankful for my classical education because I I don't think I could play jazz the way I do if it wasn't for my classical education and learning, first of all, the technique that I learned from, from my, my, my piano teachers from playing classical music. I mean, you really had to learn fingerings to play some of those Mozart pieces and Chopin and Bart. I mean, you really had to have your fingering together as far as that was concerned. So the technique I learned from that was really amazing. And then to, to move into jazz just felt so natural for me. It mm-hmm. really felt, you know, mm-hmm. and I look at some of my, you know, I need to cut you off. We're heading into our first break, Barry. Yep. Um, so we'll sure. finish that part of the conversation and also talk about missing out on, on stickball Saturday with your yeah, friends. And you got it. Definitely. Talk about that. I'm here with Barry Eastman. Stick around. We'll be right back. serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio. To sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. PitbullAudio.com. You know what's all around you every waking moment of your life? Marketing. You're choking on it. I'm Scott Robertson, and when it comes to strategic PR, branding, and marketing, I've seen it all. And actually, I'm still seeing it because bad marketing never sleeps. Join me each week on May the Best Brand Win right here on Intertalk Radio and learn how to make the marketing for your brand unforgettable. I'm Tim Dolbear, the host of Sound Experience on Intertalk Radio. 
Each week, I talked with top professional audio engineers, producers, musicians, and the manufacturers that make the tools that we use in the studio each and every day. From capturing the perfect take to mastering your final release and the tools and how the pros use them, we are going to dive deep into their process and learn from their experience. I look forward to you joining us each week on Sound Experience with me, your host, Tim Dolbear. This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al DiMiola, Michael McDonald, and Al Jarreau, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie'sGroove.com. Ready to get your groove on? Hey everybody, this is Will Lee and you're listening to Making It with Terry Wolf. Welcome to Making It with Terry Woolman, the show that explores the secrets, successes, and strategies for making it in the music biz. And now, here's your host, Terry Woolman. Barry Eastman, uh, p- pianist, musician, uh, songwriter, <laughs> and producer in that order. And um, <laughs> you just heard coming out of that commercial break, Freddie Jackson's hit, You Are My Lady, which, Barry, you not only produced, but you wrote. That was my first uh, number one R&B hit and top 10 uh, pop tune on the Billboard charts. Uh, that that song literally changed Changed my life. I went from being a a uh, recording sideman in New York City to songwriter, record producer after that song. So I it can was, see why. It was it was incredible, and it was all uh, a song that was written for my wife, and uh, one of those songs that you kind of come up with in an in an in an evening, and you think, huh. Could this be something? I, I don't know. Ah, it's all right. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough to to meet Freddie Jackson, uh, and his management was working on his first record and album, and they asked me if I had any songs for him. And I thought this song could work, but I didn't want to sing it because I wasn't not a great singer. Mm-hmm. I said if there was a way I could get Freddie to come over to my house and demo the song. I'd love to play it for them with his voice on it. And sure enough, they said, oh, sure, sure, we can get Freddie to you. And Freddie came over, and I sang the song to Freddie and played it on the piano. And he said, Barry, that's the most, one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. You better not give that song away. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until I heard his voice on it, when he, when he sang it back, yeah. then I got the goosebumps. And I thought, you know, this could be something really special. 
And it, so, it yeah, was no. and it is. It continues to be. <laughs> did you what about that demo? Was it just piano and voice? Or did you do a little program? The demo was it, you know what? The demo is very true to what you're hearing on the final record. It was a eight oh eight drum machine, Roland, eight oh eight drum machine. Mm-hmm. I did a um at that time it was a DX seven for the Fender Road mm-hmm. sound. And I had done a synth bass, which I replaced with my, my buddy Wayne Brathwaite, came in and played bass. Mm-hmm. and added um, some guitar parts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kept thinking, okay, if I, when I get the chance to go in the studio, we're going to put real drums, we're going to cut it live, we're going to do this. And then yeah. I fell in love right. with this version. And yeah. I said, you know what, I don't, it's, not, it's not a big ballad. It's something that's really from the heart. It's intimate. I don't want it to become this big, bombastic ballad, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. just felt like... I was on, I had to keep the drums. I had to keep the 808. And the only thing I did was add uh, strings, live strings, and backgrounds. And that's it. Right. So you, you, were, you stayed true to your heart on that song. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, Absolutely. I would say that that's part of the success of it because I, I love the, the, the drum programming in it. I mean, it's just because it just, it, it pulls me into this world and then I'm in it. You know, and the live wow. strings, the the, wow. you know, the live strings and the vocals and you playing piano. It's yeah. just like it glues it, you know, and. Thank you. I really appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. And, yes. and, it, and it's so funny because at the time you use what you have in front of you, you know, and I had this right. roll away and I'm like, <laughs> okay, let me just put this up. Okay, let's go. <laughs> right. You put the drum beat down. Machine. But there yeah. was. Yeah, right. And it's just, it That's was something about. Yes, there you go. But his voice, I mean, I think had I, I, I wrote the song and his voice wasn't on it yet, I would have said, okay, when we go to the studio, let's make it this a big thing. But his voice on it was the glue. All of a sudden, everything fell right into place. The drums were like, this is, this is absolutely the drum programming, and this is what I'm going to use. The same Lynn drum, I mean the 808. We're going in, laying it down just like that. And I didn't change much. And I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so let's circle back for a minute before we move forward. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, you at eight years old and on upwards spending every Saturday at Juilliard or, um, right. you know, in any of the music programs that you were in, were in right. all day long. So you missed out on shooting hoops and playing stickball and getting your knees skinned with your, with your buddies. Did it feel like you were missing out on well, anything? When or did you do that on when Sundays? I was or? Seven, when I was seven, eight, nine years old, no. I, I just loved going into the city. I loved the whole experience of being around other young musicians and just studying classical. But when I got to be 12, 13, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to kid you. That was <laughs> that was hard. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I came close to telling my parents. I'm, I think I did tell them. You know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm not. I'm not having a great time. All my buddies are out. You know, they're playing baseball. They're playing right. basketball. You know, they're just having a great time. And I'm here. You know practicing, you know, the thing about classical music is you have to practice a lot and you're alone most of the time, you know? Right, so I had right. to do all this practicing and I really came close to saying, you know what, I don't think I can do this anymore. And my parents, man, they were like, no, you are, no, you've got a talent for this. You can do this. No, you, no, you, we want you to continue. We want you to continue. And there was definitely a battle. I got to tell you, but you know what? Finally, 
convinced me to stay in music and keep playing was that love of jazz and contemporary pop music. I started realizing that, you know what, I could play with other musicians. I was starting to play in bands, and that changed everything for me. It was like, wow, no, this is really, this is really fun now. I'm having a great time, and well, that's what and kept that, me in it. Yeah, and you're saying you thought you were missing out on all the fun, which in a way you were, but look who's having fun right. now. You. Right. Look right. at your life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Traveling the world. Yeah, you know, playing with the you know some of the greatest artists of all time and becoming one yourself. Oh man, believe me. I, I you know I pinch myself <laughs> some days when I when I'm in the studio with an artist and I'm like, wow, this is this can't get better than this, man. This is just yeah. really amazing. This is really amazing. And you know, especially as an artist that you've been a fan of for so many years and you're sitting in the studio with and and I just can't believe that I'm telling them how to approach a particular song or how to, you know, not how to sing it, but just giving them advice on how to make the vocal performance better. You know what I mean? And that's so interesting to talk to you as a, as a fellow producer and arranger, because I, because I've had the same experience, you know, when, when I was sitting next to Stevie wonder and Al Jarreau and Dionne Warwick suggesting what they do because I was the producer uh, yes. of the record yes. it's it is kind of mind-boggling it is to- it's totally mind-boggling you you wonder should i really be here am i you know can i do this <laughs> can i hang with these people and you and the biggest compliment i ever got was from two artists i worked with was was um al Jarreau, anita baker both said to me barry no you're as good as and then, you know, she would say George Duke and Al would say like Quincy Jones. Man, you, what you do, you have the ability to make those same kind of records, those productions that they do. You can do that. You have those ears. And not only do you have the ears, but you've got the knowledge. Right. You can write that down. You can conduct it. You can. I mean, you can do it. And hearing that from people that you really admire, it just kind of gives you, you like that that confidence that you really need it. You know what I mean? Like, right. okay, they, you yeah. start to believe it, right? But I think you just you feel know, good. So... You know, and I'm not just saying that you're going to get a big head about it, but you just, it just gives you the confidence you just need to, like, yeah, let me go on and let me not feel like I shouldn't be in the room with these people. I can't. You know, right. I don't deserve to be here. You know, right. and it's right. a whole it's yeah. a whole thing. You know, but I just I love can it. So and, and once I'm in the room everything. and. <laughs> Excuse me. I can really relate to what you're saying. It's amazing. Yeah, because I've experienced the same. Absolutely. I think as we all do, you know, that's part of being an artist. Absolutely. That's true. That's true. But I think the nerves kind of help me. Whenever I get in the studio with a new artist, you always have that moment of, wow, am I going to come up with something that they're going to like? Am I going to write something that they're going to like? Or am I going to produce it in a way that they'll like it? So you go through that nervousness. But man, once you get in there... And what I always say, the magic happens, that music starts flowing, and you hear the melodies, and you come up with the changes. Then I'm just like, oh, this is right. You know, I just get so excited. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm just so happy that I can go. I'm like, okay, this is going to be amazing. I think we're going to have a hit record out of this. You know, I just just get going. You know, I just love it. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. So you, I read that um, you said that my dream, this is a quote, my dream was of being on the road with an artist no matter who. And right. that dream ended up being fulfilled in the early 80s when you were hired to be a keyboardist for Melba Moore. And I believe that's where your touring life began. Is that true? That's right. 
Exactly. That was my first um, experience on the road. Actually, right before that, before Melbourne, Melbourne was the big one. Right before that, I went on the road with um, a jazz violinist. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but his name is, uh, is Michael Urbaniak. And oh, sure. it was a fusion. And Ursula Dudziak. Ursula Dudziak, his wife. Right. That's right. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. And that was the first tour I went on. It was a really little tour um, that we did on the East Coast. And we actually opened for Jeff Lorber, who had a, <laughs> wow. a, a young sax player in the band by the name of Kenny G. Kenny, Gor- Kenny Gorlick. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Kenny Gorlick. Right. Exactly. And mm-hmm. that was my first time on the road doing like Cleveland, Buffalo, and and, and uh, I forgot where else we went. Boston on the road. And right after that, I got the gig with Melba Moore, which was really um, one of the best gigs I ever had. It was, it was incredible. How, how did that come really. about? Who recommended you? That was, again, that little band that I would play with back in the day in Brooklyn, we would get together and play the little units of piano, bass, drums, guitar. Anytime we got together, we just had a great time. And we used to kind of start uh, getting hired as a rhythm section for a lot of different um, record dates. And all of a sudden, the guitar player got hired to do a song, uh, a record for Melba Moore. And while he was in the studio with Melba, she said, you know, I'm putting a brand new band together. I need, I need a musical director, piano player. Can you recommend somebody? He recommended me. And so I went down there and she said, well, I need somebody who can, really, who can read, cause, uh, read music well, because I have a lot of charts from Broadway shows that I've done that I'm going to do in the show. Somebody who can conduct somebody who can write arrangements. And I said, yep, check, check, and check. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> and I got down there and I played her show and she was she was so impressed that I got hired on the spot. And I ended up just hiring all my friends that were in the rhythm section that we played with together back in the day. I brought them out with us. Smart. And yeah. so we just had a blast. It was a great it was a great band, great music, and Melba was one of the best uh nicest people you could ever work with just a sweetheart so you, it was just it was so phenomenal you you had a, the understanding early on that it's important to surround yourself with greatness and people that Definitely. are going to support you and and that you're comfortable with that but people you can count absolutely on. absolutely and 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 it's not even just about of course you're going to be a great player you know that 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 doesn't need to be said we want somebody that's going to be a great player but somebody with the right attitude right personality um, was so important too, because you know when you're right. in the studio or you're on the road for a long period of time, you want to be around people that you enjoy hanging with. You know what I mean, and that you have a good time with. That's really important. So we just we would just have not only a great time on stage, but you know afterwards we'd hang out together and we just enjoy traveling together. It was just a great. It was a great group of guys, and Melba really enjoyed the energy because the whole band was really young. I think all of us were like 21. Uh, I, I was 21 at the time, and my drummer was 22, and bass player was 20. So it was a really young band, but we just had a blast. We had a yeah. really great time. And I'm in in college at the same time while I'm doing this. So it was really, <laughs> it was really interesting. <laughs> so and your so, teachers actually fun. supported that. They 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 helped you figure out a way 
to uh, That's continue right. touring That's right. and, and, That's and still right. do your yeah. studies. Exactly. They knew at this point, I was like my last year, my senior year. And when I got the gig with uh, Melba, I knew at this point, I said, this is what I want to do. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And I had six months more to go. <laughs> but if I left school and not graduate, it would have broke my parents' heart. I couldn't do that. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. But I went, talked to my professors who all said, no, you can, you can do this. You can do this. So I had like, I was taking four courses for the last semester and each professor said, yeah, we'll just give you the work. You take it. And you know, when you get back into town, you bring us the work and, and, and that's how I got, that's how I graduated. It was amazing. So you, you actually right. finished your degree. That's right. That's was right. Got my degree, performance degree in or music education. Or, um, music education. In, in music education, actually. Wow. And you're probably wondering why was it music education? Because yes. <laughs> I didn't think I needed a performance degree to tell me I knew, you know, to play. Right. I mm -hmm. figured, you know, I can play. I know I can play. Right. I I'm good. But I always thought that with a music education, if I ever decided at one point I was going to teach, and I really felt like I was going to teach, uh, my parents were really excited about me teaching. They weren't so excited about me going on the road. Because you know what they hear when you're a kid sure. back in the day. Oh, if they go on the road, you get caught up. Oh, no, it's terrible. No, you should be a teacher. But I loved playing too much. I really loved music, and I loved playing in bands. And I knew that I had to experience this. I just said, no, I'm, I'm going to go out and do this. And I said, down the road, I can see myself teaching. And I think that I'd have so much more to offer students and not just textbook now, but I'd have real-world experience of being in the mm -hmm. studio. I can explain, you know, when I was in the studio with this artist or when I traveled with this, I can really give them real life lessons, you know? And that to me was what was important. So I got my education in uh, Brooklyn College and, and uh, bachelor's in uh, music education. And then I was off. And after that, I was on the road just doing my thing. That makes perfect sense, and it's so great that you had the support of your teachers to to do that. And and I, you know, I've always felt like at this point of our lives is when we would be the best teachers. And I know that. Yeah. Um, you know, we're heading into our next break. We'll, we'll be right back. Uh, I'm here with Barry Eastman, so please stick around. Adam Berry, and you're listening to Making It with Terry Wood. Hi, this is Tim Dolbear, host of Sound Experience here on InterTalk Radio. And Source Connect by Source Element is the essential tool that we use to link between my studio in Austin, Texas, and the WS radio station in San Diego. Now, with Source Connect, not only can we communicate in real time and with HD audio, but it's synced up and is of a high enough quality that I can use it for real time ADR work, remote recording, and overdubbing, and it even allows me to remotely control a DAW. Source Connect by Source Element, affordable, high quality audio and video connection over the internet for all of your production needs. You know what's all around you every waking moment of your life? Marketing. You're choking on it. I'm Scott Robertson, and when it comes to strategic PR, branding, and marketing, I've seen it all. 
And actually, I'm still seeing it because bad marketing never sleeps. Join me each week on May the Best Brand Win right here on InterTalk Radio and learn how to make the marketing for your brand unforgettable. Hi, I'm Tim Dolbear, the host of Sound Experience on InterTalk Radio. Each week, I talk with top professional audio engineers, producers, musicians, and the manufacturers that make the tools that we use in the studio each and every day. From capturing the perfect take to mastering your final release and the tools and how the pros use them, we are going to dive deep into their process and learn from their experience. I look forward to you joining us each week on Sound Experience with me, your host, Tim Dolbear. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio, to sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. Pitbullaudio.com. This is Aubrey Logan, and you are listening to Making It with Terry Wolfe. Welcome to Making It with Terry Woolman, the show that explores the secrets, successes, and strategies for making it in the music biz. And now, here's your host, Terry Woolman. I'm here with my guest, Barry Eastman, and we were just listening to a song from Najee's latest project, Poetry in Motion, that, Barry, you produced and, and did some co-writing on as well. That's right, with uh, with Eric Roberson, an amazing singer um, mm-hmm. who wrote the lyrics and sang the heck out of that song. <laughs> this is great, great guy. Did, did Eric bring you the lyrics, or did you start... Did you have a track or song in mind? I, I started with a track and I sent that to Najee just to let him hear the direction that I was going in. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. And he said, we've got to get this to Eric. I think Eric is going to be perfect. And I had just met Eric for the first time, literally like a month before that. And we were looking for something to work on together. And mm-hmm. so when I sent it to him, he, he said, track is perfect. Just give me some time to work on it. And literally, uh, about a week later, he sends me this, uh, email and I open it up and I play the song. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I was knocked out. I was not, I was so excited. So excited. It's a great song. It's a really wonderful song. Thank by you. the way, you. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, Najee was a guest on, on our show, uh, uh, just a few weeks ago. And he just raved about the experience of getting a chance to work with you once again, because I know that you produced him many, many years ago. So he, he was just right. so happy to That's be in the right. studio with you. Yep. On an album called Day, to Day by Day, I worked with mm-hmm. him for the first time. And I felt like 
I kept telling him, Najee, we got to get together again because, you know, when we got together the first time, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, <laughs> let's, let's, I think I've got some years. I've learned <laughs> a couple of things. We got to do this again, <laughs> please. <laughs> and we got together and we just had such a great time. And Najee's energy in the studio is so, is so great. It's so great. And again, we got together in the studio, live musicians, man. Once I had the tracks together, we got in the studio and we cut the stuff live, man. It was just so thrilling to do that, you know, because I told him I really wanted to go back to doing a record that way because I think right. the first time was all machines and I, I, I just didn't enjoy that. This time I had a great, great time. I couldn't wait, couldn't wait to do it. So it was great. Well, you're right. And you're, you're back to how we started our conversation about getting in a room with a group yeah. of musicians that you love and respect. Right. Right. And Terry, you, you know, cause you are such a great player yourself and you've been around such a, such great players in, in LA. I know that's something that you must enjoy as well, you know, more so than, than doing a track by it. yourself. Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, right. my, my latest single that that's on the radio now um, no problem. We, I specifically recorded it because we had played it for a live show uh, right. with John Robinson and Hussein Jeffrey and Greg Manning and myself and Luis Conte nice. was playing and and we had so much fun. Nice. The guys right. said we we should go in the studio and record that, and we did. Right, you know, and that's, that's my new single. Right. You know, just a bunch that, of people in the room See, together. I love that. You know, right, with a with a smile on their face and and you know, dripping wet by the end of the take, you know, cause everybody's just <laughs> going for it. That's when, you know, that's when, you know, you've got it. <laughs> yeah. That's when, you know, it's right. That's Absolutely. definitely the best. You've no, got, no doubt um, about it. Yeah. I want to cover a lot in this, this last segment that we have, and we've got really about 12 more minutes. So it's, we'll do this a little bit more with speed dating, kind of shorter answers. Okay. Now. I know we could okay. do a whole show on any single question. Sure. I want to talk about a couple of your new projects, but I want to go back a little bit for uh, just touch upon the, um, introducing Jonathan Butler. Yeah, just uh, give me a, a sentence or two on the amazing Jonathan Butler that we both Oh, love. Jonathan is just phenomenal. One of the greatest yeah. musicians I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Uh, met him when he came to New York from South Africa for the first time. Uh, we were put together by the uh, president of Jive Records, who thought I would be a great producer arranger for him and Jonathan is just as you know one of the most creative uh and writes the most beautiful songs I've ever heard so being in the studio with him was a joy this is just an incredible experience I can't imagine incredible experience. Yeah. well I can't imagine actually it's you know because the two of you together the energy um uh, oh yeah you know that yeah I mean that's I I didn't know who you were back then or and I didn't of course know Jonathan but man that that album that first album just like captured me you know right what you, it, it was yeah. it was it was just such a blast we had such a good time and i think him bringing his whole vibe and his whole thing and what he does and then putting that together with me from new york with this kind of slick rhythm thing but yet not overtaking the south african concept and vibe you right. know what i mean right and the beauty of what he was doing I just had to be true to that. And and it took me back to my years as a kid listening to all kinds of music. I'm like, I can do this. You know, right. <laughs> you can do this. Right. That's what it was about. So everybody needs to check that out. That's that album came out, I believe in 1986. Uh, introducing That's right. Jonathan Butler. Yeah. Um, let's talk about a need working with Anita Baker for a moment. Oh yeah. 
amazing. She's just one of the greatest uh, singers. I've learned so much from her uh, about writing, songwriting, about production, um, about um, working with vocalists, um, just every, you name it. I just learned from, from her. Just incredible. Just incredible. The um, songs that, that you wrote the, with her, did you sit down, was that, you know, her sitting on the piano bench next to you and you guys writing together? I apologize. was the song that we won a Grammy. She won the Grammy Best R&B Vocal. Let me tell you how that happened. We were, I was in the studio for her playing on another song. I was going to do a piano over there on another song. And engineer says, hey, man, Barry, can you just play a little bit on the piano so we can get a sound and then we can start rolling on the other tune? And I'm like, sure. And I start playing that groove. I mean, it just popped in my head. Just started mm-hmm. playing that groove. And she stopped. Everything said, Barry, what is that? What is that? I said, it's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> and she Why literally right she ran out next to me <laughs> on the piano. I'm sitting there. She said, keep playing, keep playing. She starts singing this chorus. I apologize. And just like that, she kept singing. She said, Barry, I'm telling you, this could be really nice for my record. This could be it. If you can get this track finished, literally, she was down to like her last track for the album. If you can get this track finished, because I've got to finish up other songs, I promise you this will get on the album. And I went home, wrote a track that night, finished it up, called up my buddy, Gordon Chambers, who wrote the, um, the core, uh, the, literally the verses and the bridge. And brought it back to her the next day, mm. and she flipped out. She flipped out, and I'm going on her album just like that. And that's, uh, you know, that's, I love that story. Yeah, that's fantastic. you know, that's when well, you're and excited. And I love your and, response. Yeah, it can be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> that's the, the the perfect answer. <laughs> I mean, she literally she ran out of the of the control room into the studio. I'm like, oh my god, what I do wrong? You know. Mm-hmm. She said, no, 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 keep playing, keep playing. And we figured out every section, right? Just like that, within five minutes, we figured out, okay, so where would you go for a verse? And I played some changes. Yeah, 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 okay. Okay, and then and then, what do you think a bridge should be? And played some changes. Yeah, okay, great, great. Okay, Barry, put it all together, bring it back. <laughs> I said, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, man. And literally, that's the song that won her uh, a Grammy um, for that uh, off the Rhythm of Love album. So I'm, I'm, I'm so excited, man. That's Thanks why for I love sharing what I that do. story. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. absolutely. There's, um, there's so many other people I'd want to talk about, but I, but I want to just take a minute to talk about your new projects. You're, you're working on a new album with Billy Ocean right now. Yes. We hooked up again after all these years and I'm so psyched. It's a, a first album of a, original material. Uh, and I think for him it's like 25 years or something like that. It's been a long time. And we're, we've been doing a lot of the work in, uh, in England in a studio in Manchester. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just like the old days, man. It's like when we did uh, When the Going Gets Tough and uh, right. Color of Love and all exactly. those songs. Yeah. It's just magical. We get in the studio and with Billy, it's just we look at each other. We just know what each other's thinking, you know. We just read each other like, yeah, I know. That's going to work. No, that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's just it's so special really special you know there's something fascinating about what you just said about you know having a a a relationship that's built on trust and respect that you can actually try anything and know what's going to work and what's not going to work and not not really trip on what's not working 
It doesn't, it's just, that's really okay, what it's about. And that, that to me is, 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 you nailed it on the head. That's exactly what it's about. It's really about trusting each other. And, and mm-hmm. they know as a producer, I got their back that, you know, no matter what, I'm going to take care of it, make sure it's right. And I know, um, I want to, and they know also as a producer, I'm not going to steer them in the wrong direction and take them musically someplace where they, where I don't think they should go or where they shouldn't be going. You know, you know what I'm saying? I just want to make sure that musically I'm always giving them what I think is their next hit. It's always, for me, it's about what's the next record I would love to hear from Billy. What's the next record I would love to hear from Anita. Mm -hmm. That's how I, you know, that's where I look at it. And sometimes, you know, and I love the fact that they'll tell me, you know what, I like that or nah, that's not quite, you know, what I want to do. And it's just so, it's so easy. Like, okay, cool. Let's, let's do something else or, Right. Let's go a different direction. Right. Yeah. That doesn't take the wind out of your sails. It just, it just allows you Not to shift your direction. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, also exactly. because you're, so you're there to make their record, not your record. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And you know, I came out of the eighties where it became for a while. It was like the producer was star. You know what I mean? Right. It, it was that, right. it was that whole thing where it was, the producer was bigger than the artist. Right. And I never, yeah. uh, I never liked that. I always felt like, no, oh, the producer's the guy in the background. Stay in the background, right. you know. Yeah. It, it, it's one thing if you're if you're the artist and you're out there doing it. Okay, that's great. Um, but as a producer, I was never kind of. I think that the fact I wasn't a great singer, but I could mm-hmm. guide vocalists, I thought was a great thing for me because I didn't make them sound like me. You know, you can hear right. a lot of producers. You can hear who are singers. You can hear them singing like the producer. You know, right. I could mm-hmm. name a couple of artists that immediately remind me, oh, oh that's the way the producer sings. And I sure. never, I never wanted that. I wanted to hear the, I wanted the artist to, to be the artist. You know right. what I mean? Sing in your I voice. Do. Don't copy what I'm doing. You right. know, I'll suggest, so, so, well, maybe the melody should go up here. Maybe, you know, maybe we need to bring it down at this point here and, 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 and mellow it out. And then we get exciting in the Brit. You know what I mean? Those kind of things is what I like to say. Absolutely. And I like to bring out, but I'm not going to tell you how to sing it. Right. You know, some of the, you know, so, especially so, the caliber no, artists I'm working with, you don't have to tell them how to sing it. And of course not. And so not being a great singer is not a liability to you. Not at all. Not at yeah, all. So I feel but the same the, way. But yeah. Right. But the fact is I hear melodies all day and night. So Absolutely. if one melody is not working, I'll come up with another melody in a second and say, hey, well, right. let's try it this way. Absolutely. We have four minutes left in this show. So I, I just have a couple of quick yep. questions for you that I end every show it. with. What does making it mean to you, both personally and professionally? Personally, it's just, I've been fortunate to have uh, been married to the love of my life for 30 something years now. God, 30, <laughs> we're 35 years, 34 yes. years. She's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Now, and now you're in trouble. I couldn't, I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this without her. I really couldn't. Um, Mm -hmm. We have two beautiful children who are just the best. Actually, my daughter now is an attorney, and my son works for electronics uh, uh, media company, Mm -hmm. and they're just just great kids. So the fact that the home life is just amazing makes it – that to me is making it, you know, having that all together. Absolutely. And then the music just comes out of that. Like I said, my first hit was written for my for my wife. That's the, that was the beauty of that first song is that it was dedicated to her. It was written for her, and that was a song that changed my life. 
And so that to me was really um, about making it. And for, for me, musically, being able to do what I love to do and working with amazing artists, working with new artists, and just enjoying being in the studio still after all these years, mm-hmm. to me, is the best. And I never get tired of it. Not every, everybody asks me, what's the, your favorite song? And I always tell them, it's the next one. The, the next one? It's the next one. <laughs> it's the next song. What's your favorite? The next one. <laughs> right, right. My, my final question, Barry, uh, is something I ask all of my guests. At this point of your life, with everything that you know to be true, what would you tell your younger self? That you're on the right track. Just keep doing what you're doing. Though you may have fears, you may think that, man, I can't get through this. This is tough. This is going to be a tough project or this is going to be a tough day. It's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. And even the projects that don't go the way you think they should, you're going to learn from them and you're going to get better. And you're just going to get, you know, you're going to be fine. And, you know, because when you're young, you have those insecurities. Am I good enough? Am I going to get hired again? Am I going to get called back for that session? Am I going to, you know what I mean? And that's the thing I always wondered about as a kid. And I was lucky enough to get calls for these opportunities. And then I worked my butt off to stay there. That's what really made the difference for me. It was like, you know, being in the right place is one thing, but then you got to prove, prove yourself. And I've done that on every session I've ever done, every project. And it comes through in the music. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. What would you, um, I want to thank you for being on the show, Barry. And in in our last 30 seconds, what would you like to say to everybody? Well, thank you again for listening to the music I've done over the years. And I'm so glad I hear people always say that, you know, some of those songs are some of them, their favorites and they've, they've gotten married to, those songs or they've got three or four kids because of my songs <laughs> <laughs> and it's always it's always thrilling you know when people find out that you're a songwriter and you wrote that and i love that you know that that's to me that's the best thing in the world uh, yeah. it makes it, it nothing can touch being yeah. a songwriter and a record producer on that note, uh, thank you everybody for joining us Barry uh, it's been a pleasure to spend the hour with you i can't wait to collaborate with you again and absolutely Terry my pleasure thank you so much we'll see everybody next week thanks for joining us
Ready to get your groove on? Hi, this is Tim Dolbear from Eclectica Studios. I'm a full-time mixing and recording engineer. I work with Grammy winners, labels, and indie artists. Using state-of-the-art digital mixing and restoration tools and the very best in analog gear. Really, though, it's my ability to bring tracks to life and fulfill your vision for your music. This has made me sought after by producers and artists worldwide. So spend your time working on music and not chasing a mix down a rabbit hole. Go to timdolbear.com and check out our free one-song mix offer. You know what's all around you every waking moment of your life? Marketing. You're choking on it. I'm Scott Robertson, and when it comes to strategic PR, branding, and marketing, I've seen it all. And actually, I'm still seeing it because bad marketing never sleeps. Join me each week on May the Best Brand Win right here on Intertalk Radio and learn how to make the marketing for your brand unforgettable. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio. To sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. PitbullAudio.com. 